0: Scripture reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 22 and reading to verse 41, and can be found on pages 1093 and 1094 of the Pew Bible. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Amen.
1: Let us pray. Lord, we come into your presence amazed that you invite us even to talk to you. You are great, and yet we can say that we have you as our friend. You know us by name, and you care for us. We give you thanks, O Lord. Lord, we come to you this morning, knowing indeed that we are far from perfect. Thank you that you still love us, even when we mess up. Lord, we come to you asking for your help to live as a disciple of Christ in our homes, our workplace, and community. Many times we find it very difficult with the pressures of life and the increased demands on our time to be a light. And sometimes it is all too easy just to join in with the negative conversations, often adding unneeded fuel to the fire and being anything other than than an encourager and peacemaker help us to do good to be seen to be patient caring loving forgiving and kind bearing the fruit of the spirit as children of God Lord we thank you for the rest days of summer for the extra time spent with family and friends for the opportunity of visiting different places for being able to look out into a garden and seeing such an array of colors and being reminded of your wonderful creation. We give thanks to you this morning for those who have had the joy of a new baby added to their family and pray for the parents as they cope with the inevitable life changes and perhaps sleepless nights. We give thanks for the good experiences we have heard from those who were in Moldova for the acceptance and welcome for the team from the local governors, for the enthusiasm of the children attending the club, and for safety and travel. We thank you too for the children who attended the Walkway Holiday Club this week and pray that this might indeed be another stepping stone for the children to want to come along to our own youth organizations and holiday clubs throughout the year. We pray for those at this time who are serving from our church In schisms, SU camps, and other residential activities, give them enthusiasm, plenty of fun times, and stamina when energy levels fall. Lord, we especially ask for their spiritual protection, as we know that so often when we are enthusiastic and on a high, that is when we can so easily be bowled over by the attack of Satan, who is out to destroy anything done to promote the saving love of Jesus. Lord, we do indeed ask for protection of body, mind, and soul of both those attending camps and those leading. We pray for Helen as she is on holiday at this time; may it be a time of refreshment and rest for her. We pray too for Damien, Sarah, and their family as they holiday before their transition to Drogheda, and all that will involve with all kinds of new beginnings, a new home. A new school, new friends, especially for the children, and a new congregation. As we pray for them, we also remember before you Frank and Claire. We pray that they will have had adequate rest after their busy year and that they will be prepared and excited about coming back to us. Guide and instruct them in their plans ahead, and may the experiences they have had also be an encouragement an inspiration and a challenge to us in the year ahead. We do indeed remember the family circle of Molly Adair as her funeral and thanksgiving service takes place tomorrow. We thank you for her life and witness here in Bloomfield over many years and ask for a sense of peace and hope for the family which comes from you alone. Lord, we quietly lift up before you others in need For those who are sick, those who are feeling lonely, weary, afraid, and confused, as the disciples carried the paralyzed man to you, so we bring those who need your healing touch and comfort at this time. Your word says, come to me, keep company with me, and I will give you rest. Help us, Lord, to trust in you and to follow you. Help us to acknowledge your greatness and your love and to share that love with others. Hear our prayers, O Lord. Amen.
2: And having sung a prayer, now we turn to the word Acts chapter 2, and we're focusing this morning from verse uh, 22, and we're going to be analyzing a sermon, not mine, though some of you may do that, I don't know, but Peter's. Remember, last week we were thinking of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon the first disciples, and with joy, they were given the gift of speaking in many different languages. And this shocked, surprised, stunned the audience. How could this be that we from all these different countries in the Eastern Mediterranean and beyond Hear the word of God in our own language. And some people said, Come on, they're just drunk. They're just drunk. And Peter gets up and he addresses them. And the first thing he says is, They're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Nobody drinks this early. They're not drunk. But he says, what you have just witnessed is what was foretold by the prophet Joel in our our scriptures, the Old Testament. He talked of one day God would pour out his spirit upon all people, young and old, male and female, rich and poor bond and free everybody, and they would speak in tongues. So this isn't uh, something that we weren't told about earlier. And then, having got the state of the disciples and the proper explanation of what they'd been doing in their minds, he moves on to... uh, The body of his sermon, and we find this from verse 22 and following. He ends his first part by saying, In verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he focuses on that, and his focus changes from the miraculous manifestations of the Spirit to what? Well, what do we read? Men of Israel, listen to this, Jesus of Nazareth. He focuses on Jesus. He is the one. It's all about Jesus. And very briefly, uh, so brief we we might be surprised. Uh, in verses twenty two to twenty four, he describes uh, the essential points of our Lord's ministry. Listen to this: Jesus of Nazareth was a man. Now our text says accredited by God to you. Um, it, it's better to say that simply. He was a man that God marked out. God singled him out to you. You couldn't miss it. Why? By miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you. You had witnessed Jesus. He was crucified just a a, a few weeks ago. You, you, You knew of his miracles, You knew of the signs which he did, of the the deaf who heard, of the lame who walked, of the demonized who were liberated. He even raised from the dead. You know all that. He was marked out by God. And you all knew it. This man was handed over to you, verse 23, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. What is Peter saying about the tragic, terrible, awful events of uh, the Passover, the first Easter He said, God was in control, but you were responsible. God handed him over to you and you with the help of wicked men. Now, that's, uh, you'll see in your notes at the bottom of the NIV, it says, or lawless. And what it refers to is the Roman authorities who didn't have the Old Testament law. You, with the help of the Romans, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Who crucified Jesus? Well, it was the Roman authorities, Pilate and uh, the, the soldiers. The soldiers drove the nails in. Who put Jesus to death on the cross? It was the Jews who shouted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. We want Barabbas, not Jesus. So he's laying it down very clearly that his hearers, men of Israel, the Jews, bore responsibility as well as the Romans for our our Lord's crucifixion. But then he goes... Uh, Further in verse 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. Now that uh, is a translation of uh, the cords of death. It it, it doesn't refer to physical pain. It it refers to the, 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 the chains which bind us how we can't escape from death. But he has freed us, freed, first of all, Jesus from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible for death to hold him down because God lifted him up. Now that is perhaps the shortest summary of the events of easter that we find in scripture certainly one of them and uh, we say well why does why does luke why does peter not give us more details well we must bear in mind that we have more details this was the second book that luke wrote his gospel gives all the details as do the other gospels he's just summarizing it now and he's saying The gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it's all about Jesus. God breaking the bonds, the cords of death, and raising him up because it was impossible for death to keep him down. You know all about this, he says. As you yourself know, God handed him over and God has raised him up. And then he goes on to concentrate on the resurrection. Concentrate on the resurrection. Uh, Verse 25 and following. And here he quotes from Psalm 16 and verses 8 11. David said about him, and then you have these four verses from Psalm 16, and where David says, verse 27, uh, verse 26, Therefore my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Now, the the question is, who is the me? Who is the me? Well, the the, the me in verse 28 probably refers to David thinking about this wonderful truth. But the, the The me in verse 27 you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. And and note how uh, Peter goes on in verse 29 Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. His tomb's just down the road. So was he referring, was David referring to himself? When he talks about, you will not abandon me to decay? Well, obviously not. He was he died, he was buried. I can tell you confidently well, you can't be more confident of this. David's bones are down the street. So what was David saying? Verse thirty, he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. David was prophesying about one of his descendants. And then he is going on, verse 31, and in outline, in a, in a, a dim way, he was referring to Christ's resurrection. Yes, Christ wasn't abandoned to the grave, verse 31. Nor did his body see the clay, verse 32. God raised this Jesus to life. And we, the 120 of us, are witnesses of the fact that he is alive. He was then exalted to the right hand of God And he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit which he has poured out. And this is what you have just seen and heard. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. It's all about Jesus and it's all about how he lived our life, he died our death, he was crucified, he was buried, and yet he was raised up. His body didn't see decay. He was raised from the dead, and then he ascended to heaven where he received the Holy Spirit, which he has poured out upon His people. Therefore. Verse 36. Let all Israel be sure of this. And here's the punchline. This Jesus. Whom you crucified. God. Has made both Lord. And Christ. The one. You crucified, and there's no getting away from that. Yes, the Romans were involved, but you were demanding it. You are guilty. This Jesus, God has made both Lord and Christ, his anointed one. Wow, this was. Heavy stuff for them. Heavy stuff for them. And what was their response? Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. The expression there is quite close to the expression, remember when one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with his sword and out flowed uh, blood and water. Remember that when he was on the cross? Well, it's a very close, the expression for piercing is very similar to the expression here where literally they weren't pierced with a sword but they were pierced to their inner being by the Spirit applying Peter's words To them. They were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other disciples, Brothers, brothers, what shall we do? And then we come to the last part of the sermon. But let me just pause for a moment here. We can be and we can get diverted from the main point of the story. And when you come to a passage, and especially when we come to Peter's response, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There are so many things there that Christians dispute the one with the other. There are important but important points but are not at the real center. They're more at the side. Points like well what what about the Holy Spirit Uh, and what about tongues today and signs and wonders. Do we have them uh, yes or no, and if we are supposed to, why don't we? And that could get us into a whole different discussion. And what about baptism? Uh, and how much water do we use? And when do we baptize? And should we baptize infants or not? And if so, whose infants? And we get into that. And what about the forgiveness of sins? If, if we are baptized, are we then automatically all our sin taken away Uh, And we get a fresh start like some Christian traditions think. uh, And we can get caught up in all of those. But I'm not going to deal with any of them this morning. Not because I'm afraid to. I just love a scrap. But that's not what I'm here for this morning. We can uh, maybe have an opportunity of discussing those things on another occasion. I want to focus on what Peter, I think Peter's main point was it was a call to repentance and uh, become part of a Christian community through baptism. And then in the next part of the last part of this chapter, next week, God willing, we'll be looking at the new lifestyle which the Christian community displayed. But that's for next Sunday, God willing. But what we need to hear this morning, all of us, is we're all guilty of sin. We all know we are unworthy. God, from time to time, convicts us deeply. And like the hearers, we are thinking, what shall we do? And the message is, from Peter, is, now what's repentance well repentance essentially is about change changing our mind and changing our direction Um, oh maybe a few days ago I was driving down Martini Avenue and as it would happen, here we came across uh, an L driver. And it, I think it was his or, her, his or her's first attempt at reversing and turning at the same time. And I'm not a very patient man, but I said, well, learners, we have to uh, you know, make allowances for them. And it took what seemed like an hour but it was only a minute and a half probably for this driver very slowly to reverse and to turn into, I think it was Windgrove. And then when he was in, I thought, right, and I got through before uh, he, dis- he or she decided to come out and come up the other way. Uh, it, it, it took a long time, and doubtless the instructor was saying, slowly, slowly, and a wee bit more, and a wee, you know, to, to reverse and to turn. Sometimes repentance is an ongoing thing where as we trust Christ and seek to follow him and as we we live in the Christian community and together seek to live out our faith, we see things in our life that have to be changed and we have to repent of. And that's an ongoing thing. So all of us have ongoing repentance to do day by day, to seek the Lord, to say sorry and to mean it, and to ask his forgiveness and help to live closer to him. But repentance here probably refers not to that gradual process that every Christian should be involved in, But the sharp event which so often begins the Christian life. Uh, I was brought up on the shore road, North Belfast. And as a child in the winter, we used to gather on Brew Hill. Now, Brew Hill, I don't expect anybody here to know where Brew Hill is? Uh, Brew Hill is if you're at Seaview watching the cruise. Some of you may, I don't know if anyone has ever done that. No? Well, some some of you maybe were there. If you watch the cruise at Seaview and don't look towards the M2, look the other way, you'll see a hill. And that's the Brew Hill, so-called because Men who were on the brew that's my vintage for being on the dole men who were on the brew used to sit there and watch the match for free. This was before some nasty crusaders executives decided to build a high wall. But as children we used to get to the top if it was snowy and have a tin tray and we would get the tray well greased with snow and then push it and jump on and go down that hill. Now, sometimes the snow wasn't very good and it didn't go far. And we would try again and try again. But sometimes it was in excellent condition and we went like the wind. And that was exciting, exhilarating and terrifying. Because there was a problem and the problem was we would go straight on to the shore road and the traffic get the picture and so we had to learn how to get it going and then at the last minute roll off the tray and let it go uh, hurtling on while we hit the grass and stopped sliding now that's Repentance. Getting off the tray because it's leading to disaster. That's repentance. And sometimes in the scriptures we read repent and there's no reference to faith. And sometimes we read believe and there's no reference to repentance. For example, here we have repent and be baptized. No no reference to trusting Christ. Uh, Later on in in the book of Acts, you have the Philippian jailer. When Paul was in prison, the earthquake happened. He was terrified and he went and said, what must I do to be saved? What did Paul say? Believe, have faith in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Sometimes, as I say, there's an overlap. And when they say repentance, they mean and trust. Or when they say trust, believe, have faith, they also include repentance. Repentance is saying no to self and yes, and that's faith, yes to Jesus. And this was an important message because what do we read? We read verse 40. With many other words. Luke is just giving us the summary of this sermon. With many other words, Peter warned them and pleaded with them. Warned them and pleaded with them. And what did he say? Save yourselves by repentance and trusting in Jesus from this corrupt generation. And I don't know to how many this is God's word today and God's challenge. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. This generation that calls what is good evil and what is evil good. This generation where what my generation considered as normal ethics and normal values are being turned right upside down. This generation when we wonder what the world is going to be like in 10, 20, 50 years time. Some of us won't see it. But what is it going to be like if the Lord tarry? tarry? And the message to us is about Jesus. Not about us. Not about trying to be better. It's about Jesus and his crucifixion. He bore our sins Though we are guilty. God raised him. Death couldn't hold him. What a wonderful message. I'll be sharing it tomorrow at Molly's funeral. And what a joy it is. In one way we're sad. But a joy to have the message of life. When a believer goes on. It's not only sad. It's triumphant. That's the message. And we... Repent. might be like Martini, but I suspect it's more for some of us like the brew hill. Repent. Be, be become more of this Christian community and so we save ourselves from this corrupt generation. Let us pray. Lord, your spirit was poured out on the first Pentecost and your spirit is working in our midst this morning. Help us to heed what we're being challenged to do. Help us to come to the point of repentance of saying sorry, of meaning sorry, of changing direction and then going forward in faith with you at our side with you in our hearts, with you beside us within us behind us and before that day when all your children are gathered round your feet to eternal joy, free from decay and corruption, praising you forever.